Good morning. Please be seated. Happy three-day weekend uh, for some of you. Um, who here has a day off tomorrow? Anyone? Anyone joining me with a day off? Yes. You are the ones that were excited and worshiping. And then there's the rest of you that's got to go to work tomorrow. So, but think of it. We who have day off tomorrow will cause no traffic for you. So it's a nice day. Um, but it's good to be here. And um, uh, as uh, Pastor Paul mentioned, some of these things that are coming up, um, we're excited about the uh, movie showing that we're going to sponsor. So we bought the whole theater that day um, that uh, Focus on the Family went and produced this movie about the baby box or the drop box. And so um, it's a fascinating film. A lot of you have probably already heard about it, um, but... Um, uh, we're going to have that, and a uh, special guest from Impact, the founder, uh, is going to come and do a little Q&A after. So looking forward to that. We're going to take donations after. We're going to send it to Pastor Lee and uh, the work that he's doing. Um, so mark that on your calendar. And then for all the ladies, uh, sisters here, um, just a good time to gather. Uh, we have a quarterly event at Susan Na's house, and uh, it's going to be breakfast, hike, and prayer, and a time to connect there. Um, just want to encourage all our sisters to come and um, just, you know, I, I think there are times where sisters, you get together and it's, it's just more intimate it's, um, and you get to share. And um, so uh, we're looking forward to that as well. And I think a lot of these things that we talked about, um, you know, it really um, is just kind of right on with what we're going through in First John. We're talking about loving others. And if you've been sitting through our series uh, it almost sounds like it's redundant because it keeps telling us to love others. And John himself keeps addressing to us to love others. And um, why does he do that? Well, he does that because he himself was so affected by God's love that in the Gospel of John, he addresses himself as the one Jesus loved. He calls himself that often. And also, um, I think the Holy Spirit puts this in the letter. And I think really it's a message for us today because Maybe it is such an important message, and he wants to make sure we get it, that you love one another. And maybe we know it in our minds, but we just haven't really felt it in our hearts, and we haven't experienced love one another. And I don't think we could hear that message enough. And can you imagine a church, can you imagine our church being a place of, of this kind of love, where people love you genuinely? Not just like you, but they love you. They might be different from you, but they love you. Um, and they are for you. Don't we all want to be a part of something like that? Some of us, we have a close-knit group of friends that we grew up with. And you know, man, you could just be yourself with them. And you have memories with them. And you love being around them. Or some of us, it's our family. And you like being with, you know, your family Maybe not everyone in your family, but, you know, parts of your family. And, you know, you're like, man, it's so nice to be there. Um, we all strive for that. We all want that. I mean, uh, teenagers will join a gang because they want that kind of acceptance and love. And college students will join sororities and fraternities and call each other's brothers and sisters because they want that kind of experience. And it's worth them going through to join. And really, if there's one place in the world that ought to have that happen, it's the church. The church ought to be a loving place. Uh, can you imagine our church to be a place where it is a loving place, where we love one another? Not judge one another, use one another, um, uh, you know, uh, ignore one another, but we really love one another. And if a visitor comes to Crossway, they can say, 
boy, there, there's a group that is a loving group. Can you imagine if our church could be a place where our neighbors all around us in Orange County could say, boy, yeah, I've heard of them. They're a loving group. And we all want to be a part of that. We want to strive for that. We, we need that. We crave that. And here in today's message, he talks about us, the church, making that happen. That you have to be loving in this way. Um, you know, there's a story uh, that was in the news a couple Christmases ago about a man named Patrick Green. And he was an atheist who was also an activist. And so he uh, proactively went after and sued government uh, courthouses whenever they had some kind of religious or Christian um, you know, sign or whatever up. And there was one particular in Henderson County. He, was, he sued the courthouse because they had a nativity scene that they've had for decades out on the courthouse. So he was going to sue them. And he goes and he sues them. Um, and in the midst of that, uh, he gets uh, a detached retina, and if he traveled, and he lived 300 miles away, and this is the, you know, the situation. He lived 300 miles away in San Antonio. He was still going to sue them. He was going to go represent himself, and he realized he couldn't go because of that. Um, and so in the midst of that, uh, the young Christian lady named Jessica Cry finds out about this. She reads about it on, online. And, you know, a lot of us would have reacted as Hallelujah, like, see, don't mess with us. Like, you know, like, hey, don't mess with Jesus or your retina is going to fall off. You know, whatever. Like, we, we would be like, see, don't mess with God. And we would just leave it at that. But what she does is she contacts her pastor, and Eric Graham is his name, and, and they said, let's do something for this guy. Let's love this guy. So they devise a plan. They call him up, and they say, well, we want to help you out. And he's, he's a very poor person. He doesn't have much. And so when they call and say, how can we help you? He goes, I just need help paying my rent and getting some groceries. And they say, well, we're going to send you something. We'll collect and send you something. This is what he says in this newspaper article, Patrick Green. My wife and I never had a Christian do anything nice for us. It has always been just the opposite. And so when they received this message from Sand Springs Baptist Church, they thought they might get maybe 50 bucks, some kind of a token uh, that would be sent. What they receive is, uh, the first check they receive was for 400 bucks. It helped, and he says it to the reporter, it helped pay for rent, it helped pay for groceries, um, and he said they kept sending more and more to them. And so he said, I'm going to write an e-book, um, and I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to title it, quote, uh, The Real Christians of Henderson County, Texas, and I'm going to dedicate it to Jessica Cry and Reverend Graham. Now, this is a great story. Not only does it end with this, he, the next Christmas, out of his own money, pays for the star that was going to go on top of the nativity scene, and he's dedicated to them, and he pays for it on that courthouse. Now, this is, this is attractive. This is winsome. This is what love ought to be. This is what the purpose of love is. This is what the church ought to do. We say, this is it. Wow, this is great. And we want to be a place like this. We want to love like this. Today, we look at 1 John 3, 11 and on, and we're going to see how we ought to love. Really, there's three ways. It has to be personal, it has to be sacrificial, it has to be in truth, and we're going to look at those three things. But before we jump there, we, he, he tells us to love, and he contrasts Jesus to now Cain, and he kind of does this, and it's, it's interesting because he uh, illustrates who Cain was and what he did as the extreme opposite of who Jesus was. And we all know the story about Cain and Abel. 
in Genesis when he kills his brother because uh, God favored Cain's offering over his. Um, and he uses this. And so we're going to look at that background real quick. Verse 12, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. So he ends up, there's a lot of parallels here, right? This is what Cain does, right? In verse 16, this is what Jesus says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And so when you look at this, we see one guy here taking someone's life. And we see Jesus here giving up his life. We see someone here taking not just the stranger's life, but the life of who? His own brother. And we look at verse 16, we say, you ought to lay down your life for who? Your brothers. And so when John uses this illustration of Cain, and Cain's the only one named in this whole letter, when he uses this illustration of Cain, he wants to get across this idea of brotherhood, closeness. You ought to, this is your identity. And he wants to bring that out, and he wants to contrast Cain to Jesus. And I think he uses this because what's the furthest away from sacrificial love, giving myself for someone, is to take someone else's. So the extreme opposite is now Cain who takes someone else's. And it's a, a horrendous crime. It's the extreme opposite of what Jesus does. It's the extreme opposite of love. He hates, not only does he hate, he murders. And he uses such a, uh, a strong illustration because he wants to make sure we understand how strong the love is as well. This is not a casual love. This is not a, just a friendship, just hanging out. It's more than that. It is a love that costs us. It's a love that is extreme, that the world will say, I don't know if I could do this kind of love. It's a supernatural love that Jesus gave to us. So he now puts these two side by side, and he says, don't be like Cain, but be like Jesus. And we see how to love like him, these three ways. Number one is it has to be personal. It has to involve us. It has to involve me and you. Uh, the language in verse 16 and 17, when we read this, um, is it, very personal. It's saying you have to do this. You step up to this. It's your decision, not someone else's. Just to read it again. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Question mark. Going back to this. We ought to lay down our lives. Um, not you ought to lay down someone else's life. Like Not you ought to lay down, you ought to be a part of something where they'll lay down their life. No, you ought to lay down our lives. It, it's, it's personal in this way. And then it tells us, but if anyone has the world's goods, and uh, one commentator, they know, you know how it goes from the plural to the singular. Brothers, now to brother, it's singular. And if anyone sees his brother in need, he says it's in your context. It's in your life with the person you are interacting with, and boy, you might run into someone, or you know someone who is in need, and if you have the ability, you ought to help them. And he's saying this is very personal. Do what you can. Um, all right. Uh, I read a quote that said, nobody could do everything, but everyone could do something. And how true that is. 
Um, you know, why does Jesus tell the disciples, you know, when he feeds the 5,000 and he feeds the 4,000? Um, there are two separate instances, but when he tells them to feed the 5,000, Jesus tells the disciples, you go feed them. When he knows that they can't get food anywhere, he knows they didn't prepare for this, but he says, you go feed them. You go and give this to them. And so he wants them to take part in this. He says, oh, we don't have anything. And he prays, he blesses the food, and he makes them now go and give this out. And remember at the story, they have 12 baskets left over, uh, one for each of the 12 disciples. It was, I think, a tangible reminder of faith and the lesson that they learned. But he says, you go do this. Right, why does God choose Jonah to go preach to Nineveh when he could have picked someone that was obedient? Why does he pick him? Because he wants to make it personal for him. It's a lesson for him. And I think about us, and God is saying, I want you to be personally vested in this. I want you to go and do something. Far more than just observing. Far more than seeing something nice on Facebook and saying, oh, wow, he bought a car for that guy who was walking 20 miles. Wow, that, wow, that was nice. I like it. You know, it's far more than that. Or, oh, wow, you know, she did this for these you know, orphans in Africa. Oh, I'm going to share it. It's far more than that. You get involved personally. You give your life for this. You give your own goods for this. It's not about, well, I'm a part of something and they do this. You know, it's the people who like to do mission stuff, they do this. It's the people that have a title, they should do this. No, it's that you do it. With your stuff, with your things, you help someone in your life. And how important that is. Um, secondly, love has to be um, sacrificial, it tells us here. Uh, verse 16, again, I mean, look at what he laid, gave up, right? By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 17, he talks about if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart. You know, it has to be sacrifice. It has to, just by definition, love has to be costly. I mean, love is not love if it costs me nothing. Um, I remember uh, when I was growing up, my mom had a, uh, a little deli restaurant, and she had a, a worker there um, who was a manager. And it was funny because, uh, um, you know, she had a daughter who was like a Budweiser girl model. Right, and so every time she would visit her mom, like oh, you know, all the guys were like, oh, you know, who's that? Whatever. And so, but anyways, long story short, I remember um, my mom's uh, manager. She would tell us every Valentine's, she would get dozens and dozens of roses from different guys that like Budweiser, I guess, whatever. And they would give it to her. And um, what her brother would do, her older brother, you know where the story's going, right? He would go and take all the roses from um, her and then give it to her, uh, his girlfriend. He only had one girlfriend who ended up marrying. So he would always wait like, man, you know, who's, which guy's going to give you roses? And then he would take it from his sister and then give it to, and it was kind of funny, you know, so each Valentine's, you know, we'd ask, oh, so did he give something away? Oh, yeah, three dozen he gave to his girlfriend because he took it from her. And um, I'm sure the girlfriend did not know that these were some stranger weird guy that gave this girl roses and he you know i'm sure it's not like that it's sacrificial love by definition says i want to sacrifice something for you this week is valentine's day and you know uh, me and my wife were you know reminiscing about some of our dating days and i was thinking back you know i remember i think it was our first christmas um i had given her a gift and you know when it's your first christmas as a dating you know i think we we're like 23 24 at the time 
we had just kind of had the talk to define our relationship, like, are we exclusive? No boyfriends for you, no girlfriends? Okay, it's agreed. We, that sounds so unromantic. But anyways, we had that talk. It was agreed. And it's the first Christmas. And um, it's, it's kind of a, it's real tricky, isn't it, at that time? Like, what do you buy that person? Because it's not like, you know, you could spend thousands, but then it has to be more than, you know, a, a meal. So I remember I, I went to a jewelry store. And I was like, I got to buy my girlfriend something. And I bought a ring. And it, was a, it wasn't that impressive, but it was a ring uh, at the time. And I, I've never bought jewelry, and I bought a pearl ring for her. And I bought it for like 90 bucks, um, but I haggled to make it 90 bucks. It was one of those kind of jewelry places. Anyway, so I bought it. Um, so actually, it was worth probably 125 but I got it for 90 But just because I haggled doesn't mean it's worth less. So anyways, I got it. And I remember giving it to her, and I was so excited to give this to her. And with this awkward moment, because I put it in my pocket, we're going to go out to dinner. And then she took, had taken my jacket at her house, and she felt the box. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Are you going to propose? I'm, no, it's not. You know, <laughs> We barely know each other. Like, No, we're not. I'm not. No, no, it's not that at all. And not that I don't dislike you. I mean, there's a possibility, but not right now. You know, it was a guy real. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, it's just a $90, you know, pro ring, which I don't know if she still has. But, um, and I don't care if she has it or not, right? Um, but you think about that. Yeah, when you love someone, you can't wait to do something for them. It, 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 it's not sacrifice. It really in love. And sometimes when we think about, boy, I got to love one another. I got to, it's going to cost. No. When you love someone, when you love someone, you do it in joy. It, it, that's how you express your love. It's in sacrifice. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, it tells us in Hebrews 11 that he considered the cross joy. Right? So when he's thinking of us, he's thinking of it as joy, going to the cross. God Almighty, creator of the universe, the second person in the the triune God, Jesus Christ, the Son, is going to come die, and he considers it joy. He doesn't say, Father, I'm going to have to die for them? Like, those guys, really? Like, that? Oh, my, for them? He doesn't do that. He says he does it with joy. And so here, what it involves is a sacrifice. It has to be tangible. It says, don't do it in word or talk. Do it in deed. Here it says, if you have the world's goods, if you have stuff, and God has granted you some nice things in life, Whatever you have in your lot in life, he said, use it to love someone. God doesn't bless us so that we could have a lot of nice things to enjoy and spoil ourselves. God blesses us so we could use this for other people. Right? Um, and I think it is very important that we understand that. It says here in verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods, sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You know, when he says closes his heart, the King James, for example, it talks about it's, it's the bowels. The original language, it literally meant the, the gut. And that was the seat of all will of a man or a woman. So when he says love someone with your heart, have an undivided heart, it says the idea that, man, that the, the core of who I am, and we use the word heart now in our day, the heart in my heart, of my decision, how I'm going to live, what is important for me. He says here, don't close that off. If someone or something or some cause is breaking your heart, don't close it off. Because those of you who have not received God's love and you're just callous to everything and it's all about me, he says, how can God's love dwell? Are you really a Christian? How can you receive so much and it makes no sense for you to say, I'm not going to share 
When the Lord died on the cross for us, how can we say, well, what, what's mine is mine? You know, these are my rights, these are my things. How can we say that when he's given us so much? You know, this word sacrifice, I looked it up in the dictionary, in the English dictionary, just the word sacrifice, and one definition said this, and I love what it says. It says, to give up something that you want to keep. That is sacrifice. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, that the first question, speaking of the story of the Good Samaritan, the first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? So it has to involve sacrifice, something that costs you, something that's precious to you. And thirdly, love has to be in truth. Love is not just going to anyone and anything and saying, you're okay, you're okay, you know, everything's okay. Um, no, love has to be in truth. It tells us that in the last part of verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Why does it say truth? If we love someone, those we love, we, off, we have to speak the truth to them. When we love someone, we tell them with the truth. We encourage them with the truth. It's going to be okay because of this. Or we guide them along. We say, hey, you shouldn't do this because this is better. And you shouldn't live this way because this is like this. And love in this way, it involves the truth. And Jesus Christ himself describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This means we love as we share the truth of Jesus Christ, as we take in the truth of who he is to me and what he has done for me, now I have to share Jesus Christ. This is who he is, and he tells us here. I close with this thought. You know, he tells us here in that verse, little children. He uses a lot of different terms to address his people, little children and men and fathers and the love. Little children he picks here. Why does he pick little children? Because little children... They don't analyze things, and they don't calculate things. They do it. Why does he pick little children? Little children. Because that means anyone who may not have much, anyone who does not have much at their disposal, even a little child can do this. And now if we're going to become a place, if we're going to become a community of people that are going to go love, be attractive through our love, win people over through our love, share this in this way. It starts with you. Maybe this is hard. Maybe you grew up in a home where it's always been tight and money's always been an issue, or mom and dad is never, is always encouraging, you know, what's yours is yours. It's a dog, dog world. You know, take care of your own. And you're used to that. You think what's mine is mine, and maybe you were spoiled in this way. You know, how do you break out of this? You got to go back to the gospel and see what Jesus has done and what he's given up for me. And we go back every week, we sing about it, read about it, hear about it, and we realize he's done so much, my heart cannot be closed, but it is overflowing with his love. So brothers, sisters here, let's love those sitting next to us. Let's love those we meet in our community groups. Let's love those who are outside of our church walls and win people over this way because he first loved us. Let's pray.
God, we thank you for loving us through your son, Jesus Christ. And we hold that truth to heart. We want to understand that more and more each day. And Lord, as we take in your truth, it overflows in us. And with what little things that we have, we want to be generous and we want to show love. God, so help us not to be people who just talk the talk, God. But help us to be like your son, to love in this way. We pray in Jesus' name.